Welcome back, everybody. Thank you for tuning in once again. Uh, today we have fabulous Mr. Ben Roper with us. So, and I've written this down so I don't get it wrong. South Devon College's Higher Educational Coordinator, right. uh, Basketball England's Regional Talent Manager, yeah. and of course our very own trustee of the Raiders Foundation as well. So Ben, how are you doing? I'm good, thanks. I'm also head of coaching and player development for the junior programme as well. So yep. almost got it all right there, Rich. Yeah. But not quite maximum <laughs> points. I ran out of space. Problem. <laughs> I ran out of space, yeah. It was a really oh, tiny notepad, was it? Yeah. Yeah, I'm I've good, actually run you. out of notepad space. So I'm now just finding random bits of space in pages. And he's actually got that on LinkedIn as well, because I checked. <laughs> really? No excuses, Rich. I mean, come on. <sighs> so sorry. I was going to get on to development later. That was part of my my latter part of um so first first of all yeah, your uh, development needs is that you're going to help us now with richard's development needs <laughs> oh uh, have we got a paid account because we're definitely going to go over a lot of time with we that, do have we? a paid account yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 my development needs cost a lot of money to solve i think but <laughs> so obviously life is treating you okay you've managed to get a haircut as, as we've discussed you're looking more of an action man as opposed to me a lego man so how are you coping in lockdown at the moment? Uh, good, thanks. Um, you know, it's a bit of a change in the way we work, obviously, for so many different people. Um, as you said, I'm the higher education coordinator. So uh, just having to shift a load of work that we do online for the students, um, which has been um, a, a challenge, but it's been exciting. I had to do a bit of creative thinking about how we best support our students. But from home standpoint, obviously it's great for me to be around the kids more often. Uh, I've got a two and a half year old and a, and a nine month old. So the more time I can spend with them, the better. Um, I think my wife's enjoying it because we've just gone through a period of teething and there was a bit more support maybe. Um, maybe I feel there's a bit more support. She probably thought that maybe I hadn't done as much support, but yeah, no. it's just good to spend time with, uh, uh, make the best of a bad situation really. Um, so, you know, I've just been thankful that uh, we've had time to kind of be as a family and sit and have dinner and um, sort of watch the kids grow up because they're making just massive leaps and bounds every week. I bet. I bet. And how are they coping sort of in lockdown as well? Uh, I think um, Leah, my daughter, I think sh she loves to be outside. So, um, it's been an adjustment for her. Um, she just loves to run around. So every time we're out walking, she's just running the entire time. So, um, but Josh, I think he, he that my my son, who's just nine months, I think it's. Uh, I think the thing he realises is that I'm around a bit more often. So I think he's enjoying that. But I don't think it's a case of not knowing that he's not able to go outside at the moment. I think Leah misses her grandma and her grandmas, yeah. her grandma and granddads quite a bit. So, but you know. Yeah, yeah, it's funny old times. And so, so in terms of the the day job, then how how did you, or how have you adapted at South Devon College to be able to sort of do the online stuff? So did it take quite a while. It it um it did. It, some parts did, some parts didn't. We had we're we're a partner college for Plymouth University, so we run foundation degrees and degrees through them. So there was obviously a bit of guidance that was given um, from the university, and I think probably they were universities we have the advantage of um, being a bit more autonomous than say um, some of the other work that goes on at the college with the level three, A-levels, you know, vocational things. They've taken a little bit longer because they're looking at a much bigger picture. We were able to work a little bit quicker in, in deciding how we um, kind of change our processes and change some of our policies. 
Um, so some of it was guidance from Plymouth University. We also run our own foundation degrees as well. So some of it we could um, take those decisions ourselves. Uh, all on Microsoft Teams now, all the students, we had to quickly migrate them onto Microsoft Teams. And we've uh, just been, the college has been rolling out different elements of um, support and functions available for us to teach online. So teaching online has been a bit of a challenge, definitely been different. Um, but you know the other thing as well is obviously through the situation where it's about support for students it's not just about teaching them and that's not what we're we're not just there for them to just get a degree and be a bum on seat we, we know our students really well and we're really well known for our support so um it's it's trying to you know make sure we have regular one-to-ones with the students um and talking about some of the challenges that they face um because um you know we don't just want to ring up and say you know how do you get on with your work how are you getting on it's it's actually trying to understand some of the some of the issues that each of the each individual person is facing from this this current situation that we're in uh so you know some of it as i said some of it came from the university so extension of deadlines and options of, of referrals and things like that so it's just just trying to manage that process really um but i think we were a little bit ahead of the game than than maybe some of the other areas of the college you had to wait for guidance from um some of the, the awarding bodies how have the kids adapted to it? Uh, I think some, some, for some people, they've had to unfortunately suspend their studies. We've got a real mix. Mm. You know, the situation just, just means that they're, they're unable to continue. Uh, you know, unfortunately, people have lost their jobs. Unfortunately, people have mm. lost people close to them. So, you know, it's not about that's not the kind of support that we're giving those people at the moment. Uh, some of the students have been able to carry on as, as normal and, and continue with their work. And some people have had to kind of take their own approach. Some of it will be moved towards the summer when hopefully we're, it's a little bit clearer for us um, as a country and, and, and as a society about um, where we're at. And some people have, have just kind of gone, gone, I can do some now and I might have to do some later. So, but I think, you know, that, that, you know they, they've been everyone's been really resilient and, and kind of you know risen to the challenge which is great you know i think um you know working with young you know i work with people across the age range but i think young people when you put them in difficult situations they really can adapt i know sometimes that people say you know that they're, they're not like the previous generation they are they just haven't had these kind of situations that, that have come about and um they've, they've really kind of uh, stepped up to the plate with, with some support which everybody needs you know sometimes yeah. Yeah, good. Oh, it's good to hear. Hmm. Um, now, sorry, go on, Paul. So, Ben, do you do you know that Bashak and I are also involved with um, MLA College? Yeah, we're also a partner. Yeah, of, yeah at Plymouth uh, University. Yeah. 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 So we've been going through some of the same things. Hmm. Um, we had a head start in many ways because we're predominantly an online university. Yeah. So we've been delivering. Um, degrees online for five years, six yeah. years almost. Um, so that side of it was a, a much easier for us because there was no transition. Um, mm. But um, yeah, it, this um, online is is here to stay. I think. So yeah, I, I think we're going to be doing it for some while yet. Yeah. Yeah, you know, obviously we can only. Um, kind of make provisional plans but yeah. certainly that's the case I, I know speaking to colleagues at other institutions as well you know it is a case that we're going to have to either have a bit of blended learning or we're going to have to try and do some you know fit in some practical when they're with us and and, yeah. and then and and deliver some theory online so as you've been doing it for five years i are gonna have to pick your brain about the best ways to do it yeah yeah well as soon as we're um, able to move around come down and visit us but if, if, if you want to have a chat 
to uh, any of our academic staff um, about how we deliver online and, and in in um, and how we prepare courses yeah. and design them specifically for online. Um, yeah, I think that's one of the things yeah. Paul, is that we 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 didn't the, the courses were never planned to be online yeah. delivery. So. Um, you know, that's something that we probably have to take into account going forward for next year is um, is actually making plans that this will be delivered online. Um, but, you know, it, it, we just don't know when that could be and how quickly that could be. You know, we just it, it's a difficult situation to kind of uh, foresee and we're just doing the best yeah, but, we can. Yeah. Moment, but yeah. We're, we're glad to do anything we can to help. Yeah, that'd be great. Thank we're, you. We're, we're, we're part of a community. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. At MLA, it's not like uh, what we are doing, you know, teaching on Zoom or Microsoft Teams. It's more asynchronized. So we have an app. And I, I don't think online, I, there is no one size fits all in education. I don't think online education, you know, every education will move to online. But I'm sure after COVID-19, uh, two industries education and health will definitely change we will see more telemedicine coming yeah. but maybe more a synchronized education where we have in our laptops the apps and you know uh, so that but more than happy to help but um, it's tough times yeah i think you're right I think, but i um, think for young kids i don't think any online education will replace a teacher having you and uh, yeah. I don't think it's the same even having this conversation face to face and having a conversation. Yeah, certainly. Imagine I that, think, that, that, uh, sorry, um, Rich. There'd be some very unhappy parents of young children as well if they had to <laughs> put them in front of a laptop and say, learn from this person. Yeah. <laughs> I think because I, I deal with coaching degrees um, and, you know, with, with a lot of our uh, qualifications, you know, we deliver healthcare practice and things like that. So there's there you have to be in the room with people. It's a, it's a craft. It's a practice that we need to develop. And it is about working with people. So, yeah, you're right. We could never fully move to online. And I think that's, you know, some of the students, maybe that's what they've um, struggled with. We've got some students who are really good coaches, really good at delivering sessions. And, and we've had to just completely change their assessment. Um, so, you know, um, but yeah, it's just going to be, it's, it, like you said, it's going to change. These two, yeah. these two industries are definitely going to change. And it's probably highlighted that every meeting, some of these meetings could be emails and some of these meetings definitely didn't need to happen, but also that there are ways to work that don't require everybody being in the same place. Yeah. Great. I think this is the most serious conversation we've had in one of these sessions for a long time. So, oh, yeah. No. yeah. Let's go back it to is. Rich being a Lego man. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I'll have to buy some more hair wax soon. It's starting to go through it. Yeah. Have you had your hair cut, Rich? No, no, no it's just growing. You just brushed it, uh, and I wouldn't say brushed it. Okay, just shaped it. Okay, yeah. Lego man yeah. style. You don't have enough hair to try it, so don't. <laughs> oh. Look, we yeah. have Lego man and the action man. We lucky us. <laughs> so how do you spot Yeah, great. Cheers. How, <laughs> anyway, how, moving. Through. Not you, Ben. How do you spot talent? For, uh, within my regional talent manager role. Yeah. Yes, that's a, that's that's the best title I've ever heard. It's, that's right. how, it's not how to get spotted, really. So. <laughs> oh, he already spotted me too late. Yeah. <laughs> um, so with um, so my role with Basketball England sister is a fractional role um, that I undertake weekly, um, but that's really kind of collaborating with the clubs, uh, where we kind of we seek nominations from players. So I, I work specifically with. 
the group, the 11 to 15 age group, where we're trying to make kind of early identification of um, players who could be within the Basketball England national team programmes. And, and we have, there's a new document that's been out for about two years now um, called the uh, Player Development Framework. Um, so we kind of use those as guiding principles and we ask the clubs to nominate players who they think are suitable um, for the programme and then we'll, we'll take them into the programme, we'll see them um, for a session or two um, and then we'll make a, make a judgment at that point whereby they may stay with us for, for the year um, or they would go back to their clubs to continue to work on areas, maybe one or two areas that we've identified. Uh, we, we're looking at each, so we have 11 to 13 and then 14 and 15 uh, and we're looking for about 25 players at each um, in each gender um, within those two groups. So we, we deal with about 100 um, young people, players um, per year. And, and that's kind of meant to be a bit of a fluid process. Is some players may move on to be within a national team programme where the, by their kind of the time with us will have ended because they've already taken the step that is intended as a pathway. Or they may go back to their club to continue to work on um, some of the skills or they'll stay with us within a program that we think by the end of it hopefully they can move into a national team program or into an academy program so we really rely on um, the club network um, and luckily within the southwest we have a really committed group of, of coaches and clubs who have, have uh, a real good knowledge of, of previous workings that basketball england have done within the area and that they um it's kind of you know it's very seamless um you know we always get really good numbers um of players who who, who want to take the next step um and then and then we kind of we kind of help them with that and then when they're with us there's eight eight themes theme sessions that uh, kind of link into the player development framework and that's when we start how we start to kind of develop the talent talent but you know we we see them about once a month so there's only so much we can do with them it's kind of a spotting process rather than and, and moving them on rather than development the clubs really need to do the development um work because that's where the talent comes from um it comes from the clubs and and they have the most contact with the players so um it's just trying to get the clubs to you know each club is different and um, each club has different players in different age groups um so my kind of role within that is I work with the coaches but then kind of have like the final um oversight of players that are chosen and then I would have the conversation with basketball England about moving them on if I thought that was appropriate but I think and that's it's... such an important thing because kind of you try you change the child's life you know once he's spotted and I, I don't I one thing I find very difficult is giving scholarships because every time you make a wrong decision, you're actually not giving the person who might need it more or who might actually. Mm. So I, the only part I hated about my previous job, I mean, I thank God I don't have to do it anymore. Now we have to do it at MLA, but at the other university. So, so I think you change, you literally change somebody's life just by mm. spotting somebody because everybody's not talented in everything. I'm, I am very untalented when it comes to sports. So suddenly somebody who is not very academic, then they shine through basketball. And then, you know, you, you take them from this background and they become maybe professional players. I think it's such an important role. Thank you for doing that. I, I, find, yes. it very, I find it very difficult and very uh, emotional, these decisions, because every time you pick me, you don't pick Richard. 
Yeah. <laughs> we always pick it's you. happening a lot at the moment as well. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're right. And and I think like you you can't you know, it's that that's the, the overriding thing is we're dealing with people and we're dealing with young people as well. Um so it's really important that we, you know, not just we could sports just like that the domain which we work in to interact with these young people mm-hmm. and, and we have to take into consideration the social and the emotional elements uh, you know of them being it could change somebody's life and we have had players go through the program and represent you know great britain um mm-hmm. and um you know uh, it, but also that there's only 12 spots in the great britain team so yeah. we're more likely to work with somebody who who is is not going to be a national team player so you know it's how can we impact that person um you know not just in basketball you know it's standards and and you're right you could um it's it's trying to find make the right decision it's such a difficult thing because we're dealing with young people who develop at massively different stages Mm -hmm. um and that's why i said it's a bit of a fluid process we we do try and see people throughout the year because it's you know in september a a young person will be completely different to, to march so Yeah, as you said, that's the beauty of it. We're seeing them once a month, Um, and actually, the Spire program is held at Marjon. So Marjon are the um, uh, the educational partner in this area, providing the facilities. So again, that kind of all ties into the programs we're running at Marjon with Bucks and students. Um, But if I think back to my day, Ben, I I went to one Southwest Trials, and that was it. Um, And it happened at the time that England basketball had changed the, the the rules on aging. So that I ended up going to the Southwest Trials against two guards, point guards, who were playing for England. And I had a, an hour and a half trial that I was never going to get in because the two guys were already playing for England. Yeah. You know, so I would have had to have, yeah. So it's bizarre. But through this process, you're seeing the same kids every single month, aren't you? So as you say, if, if one doesn't do particularly well on one particular day, three or four yeah. sessions time three or four months time they could have developed and you haven't just it's not that one hit wonder is it you get that no. one opportunity and if it doesn't work on that opportunity it's it's not the end of the world yeah so you know we like you said it can they try to move away from this kind of trial process and you know you see somebody once and then um you know there are some players that we do only see once if if they're not quite at the level that that we we want them to be but i think it's more my my role has come in to make sure that we kind of, we're talking to we were able to give feedback. There's somebody there for Basketball England, you know, in a, in a, in a role that can give feedback if players want it and clubs want it as well. So, you know, it's that you, you don't go off for your one and a half hour and then that's the only thing you hear for the rest of the year. You know, you never know, Rich, you could have been a talented basketball player. You know, we just, this, this program, <laughs> it's your Lego hands. I don't think they would have. I, they would I, have I think we do know. Yeah. We know. <laughs> It's my little stumpy Lego legs that were the problem, Ben. Oh, okay. There you go. No, so, uh, you know, I think you highlight some of the issues that there were with the programmes previously, you know, and I've been involved in a couple of different iterations of the talent programme within the Southwest. And I do think, you know, although we're not perfect, we've definitely moved towards um, a much better system. As you said, with Marjons, you know, for the first time this year, we've been able to offer strength and conditioning at every session. There's there's sports therapists at every session. Um, Elliot, who's linked with Marjons, he does a great job of coordinating, giving people work experience, but also enhancing our programme as well. Um, which is really important, which I think for a long time, we, you know, Basswing, and there was a bit of a fractured approach to different things. And um, uh, having Marjon as a talent hub that is, is, is a fantastic resource for us. 
because um, it means that we can elevate the programme um, and spot people in, in ways other than just seeing them as a basketball player. You know, there, there are there are things that we, you know, people, you know, um, weight and size and things like that. And um, so, yeah, it's been a massive advantage for us being at Marjons and, and they've got real high quality staff who, um, who are able to, to bring the programme, uh, take the programme to the next level for us. So, yeah. Absolutely. So let's talk Raiders. Um, so you and I have been working together for about three years now, haven't we? Um, and you, everyone's frozen. Just you. Where there we go. You? No, it's fine. I thought my network adapter started playing up again. Either that or everyone had just switched off for a second. Um, yeah, so we've been working together for a few years now, Ben, haven't we? And, and yeah. getting the charity off the ground, um, uh, which is kind of taking a bit of a, a pause at the moment with the, with the current situation, sadly. But... Um, but you and I had very similar backgrounds in that we came up through Plymouth basketball in one yeah. shape or form, went away and got experience of, of how it was done in other areas and came back, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I was a junior player in, in the Raiders program. Um, and, and then when I got to 18, I wasn't a little bit like you, Rich. I think I had longer legs, but I think they're still Lego legs, unfortunately. So um, <laughs> certainly not action, man legs um so yeah I, I, and I wasn't going to be I was just a local league player really and I had the odd game at division two um with um Cannons it was then the other club in the city so I started coaching with with Raiders um and I um with the junior programs loved it I actually got qualified through Jamie Loveridge who was my favorite Raiders player at the time um yeah, he yeah. was I think the basketball development officer at, at, at um for Devon I think it was and he was based up at Marjons and got me my level two qualification started coaching the Raiders under 16s under 18s loved it um and just went from there really I, I went to what was Tamer Valley Cannons there and just started really developing as a coach and then the clubs merged together and I was for, at Marjons and um yeah just lucky to be around some some great coaches um, who, who gave me a really good sound grounding in the game. And then I moved to Bristol for about seven or eight years. Uh, and uh, always Bristol was surrounding area as well. And then um, was involved with Bristol Flyers and had some great times there as well. And um, really developed as a coach. Uh, I was involved with the England programmes then as well. Um, so, yeah, I got the opportunity to see just basketball, you know, um, in, a, in a completely different mindset and completely different um, context. Uh, and then like yourself, Rich, I came back here and, um, you know, fairly, sort of fairly similar times that we both kind of arrived back here and with you taking over the club and, you know, I wanted to get involved. And, um, you know, I've been really excited about the work that the, the, the charity's doing, specifically the Central Venue League, um, because, I, th I, you know, I just felt like having been away and seeing there was a, there was a massive gap there for just to get kids playing basketball not just to be national league programs but just having kids playing basketball and um yeah. you know the foundation has done a, a really good job and i know phil you know just speaking to phil in this time mm. he's doing some fantastic work with it um and you know and, I, and i'm really lucky really because I, I came back and it was a real passion of mine but there's someone there who's done a, a, just a, probably a better job than i could have done and, and certainly devoted more time to it now as well and now he's obviously with us so um you know i, I just think that's the real key to just you know kids playing basketball locally and, and mm -hmm. just and just being active and healthy and loving the game and, and just having those opportunities basketball giving me all the opportunities i had you know cbl how, how many kids how many kids have we got in the cbl and and then what what's the next step how, how, how do we 
then make a quantum leap outwards to grow that number? So I think I think there's probably around 150, 170 kids playing weekly in the CBLs across across the different age groups now, um, it, and that the charity kind of engages with. Um, you know, I think I think the, the structure's right to to grow. Um, having I think when I look at other CVLs and what I've seen in other cities is quite often it's very it's CVL. You know, there's a southwest one where people from different cities come to a central venue league to play. Um, and I think the, the the what's unique for us is we've got eight clubs in the city. Um, and it really, you know, I've had some stories of people just saying this being on my doorstep is just changed my life. Um, and um, so I think the structure's there. It's just, uh, it's um, resourcing it, I think probably is, is the next step. Because um, definitely kids want to play that, you know, we're going to be, there'll be more kids coming into the programme this year so the number will keep on growing and growing and growing and then we can have under 14s we can build that which we've slowly started to do the under 16s could then the year after that slowly build and have an under 18s one where we're providing opportunities for everybody at the right stage and an age for them and in terms of their development so i think i think we've got the structure right i think we just got to be get, get really good at doing it and then get, get more people on board mm-hmm. um, and i do think it'll grow i think there is a it's, it's unique it's fun exciting and that people want to be in, involved in it and you know i think we've got the approach that phil takes with the with the central venue league coaches about you know being about the kid when they come in the door it's not about making them a basketball player it's just making them think you know i want to be here and i think that approach we've got that kind of approach right or, or we're on that journey you know the right journey with the it's about making kids love basketball because it's a great, you know, and, you know, I, I talk about basketball and say basketball gives you these opportunities. Sport does, but you know, making sure people are active and physical activity and opportunities. Yeah. So many different opportunities there for, for young people. And, and, you know, when they walk in that door. Yeah. It was a bit of a chicken and an egg, wasn't it for us? Cause um, I mean, I'd, certainly being in and around Surrey, there were lots of different teams and a, um, a very well-established central venue program based out of Chesington. Um, but in, in Plymouth, we didn't have any local teams or a league. <laughs> so yeah. that was the, well, do we, do we start a league and then hope people create teams and mm. to be great teams? And I think eventually we decided that to get it off the ground, we would have to create a number of teams around the city and then bring them together. But this is very much not about just Plymouth Raiders um, foundation teams. You know, we're, we're really hoping that lots of others will, will start to get involved as well. Um, yeah, we've had Cornwall come and join us, you know, yeah. and, and it's great for them because they, you know, travelling. Travel is such a big issue in the southwest and basketball in this country in general because it is a, it is a minority sport in terms of the, the national league yeah. structure. You know, there are a lot more people playing underneath that, but for, you know, formal competitive opportunities, it was like, you know, when I was playing or when I was coaching, it was right, well, we had Torbay, then it was at, there was nothing at Exeter actually at the time. It's Taunton, then Bristol, then Reading, Southampton, you know. So it's, it, it was just, you're always travelling. And then if you want to get really good games, you know, we had the Reading, Solent um, and London. There was like five London teams. So you're just in London all the time. Um, so, yeah, start creating opportunities here. I hope, you know, Exeter have started to come on board. I think Torbay, you know, Torbay and Exeter are kind of interested in bringing some teams down. So we've kind of got this little bit of a, an area here that we can we can get more people involved and hopefully that helps Cornwall grow their game as well. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, um, I think, you know, I think we, I, I believe we made the right move. Um, 
certainly yeah. you know the the results are saying that um and it's the move you know that i think will will bear even more fruit it's bearing fruit already for the fact you know certainly i mean rich you might know more than me but when i was playing when i started playing there wasn't um a junior central venue league like that i know there was local leagues um going on but you know in my 18 years of coaching um yeah 18 years we've never had 150 kids playing a week just basketball that what that what didn't involve them playing at a national league level yeah you know, you know and then we're talking about the national league programs we've got under 12s under 14s under 16s and under 18s yeah. and that's separate to that so i think first time in a long time we've we've got way more people playing the game than than ever before yeah and it's a bigger pool isn't it so very much like the aspire program um, we're getting yeah. to see th these kids playing at under 12s and under 14s now yeah. on a regular basis. And rather than just have one trial for kids to turn up at the start of the year, are they good enough at that moment in time to make the, the team or not? Now we can, we've got the opportunity with like the CVL under 12 select this year where mm -hmm. we can pull kids in and out of it. If they're good enough, they come up. Um, you know, if there are some that are struggling a little bit, we can say, look, you know, go and work on your game again in, in the local team, the Pinstock Pelicans or wherever you are. Um, uh, and then, you know, we'll keep an eye and, and come back up. And um, yeah. so it is about getting, it, it's a numbers game. And I've been told off a few times on this show by saying, well, not specifically on this show, but after the show, but um, because I've said, you know, the likelihood is uh, a BBL player will come from that under 12s program. And, and when I say likelihood, I mean that we've got so many kids playing at that age group now compared to other age groups. That's why, you know, in my mind, I think there's a bigger chance of them coming through. But, you know, I, you're, you're around the, the National League programme um, in, in one, wearing one of your other hats far more than I am. So here's a great opportunity as well to, you know, put me right and tell me about or tell us all about the sort of kids that are coming through development at the moment. Yeah, well, I think, you know, from you, you, you're right, Rich, from a, from a number standpoint, um, there is more of a chance. However, you know, the one thing I'd say, just working in talent development and working in education, is is it's not about the, it's not about the number. It's about the person. And I think um, that you know the opportunity, the, the national league program and the central venue league is is a structure that gives us the opportunity to engage the person. So if we can engage the person in the correct way, who knows what they could become? Yeah. You know. So it's about there are kids. There are kids. There is you know, the opportunity for players who are 15, 16 now, mm. they could make it to the BBL. Um, mm. What we need to do and what, what my focus is within my role is to make sure, one, that the structure's in place, which we do in collaboration with Raiders and the Central Venue League. Um, but also it's making sure that coaches, you know, when that opportunity to develop that player presents itself, when that learning moment happens, that the, that the coach is ready to go, this, you know, this is the right thing for you. This is what you need at this moment. And then hopefully they'll develop from that. And, and that could be a case that they, they stay with us it's, you know, all the way through and maybe go somewhere else to university and then come back. Or it could be they come through the university programs as well. I think, you know, with my Bass Wingland hat on, we, we see a fluid talent structure and it's the same here. We may have players who start here, go somewhere else and come back. Or it could be that someone, you know, um, takes a different path, you know, because it's not, it's not an exact science because everybody's unique and individual. And when I watch the, you know, under 15s, under 16s, under 14s, um, under 18s, there's, there's unique players there who could, who could definitely play a role at, um, at BBL level. Um, and it's for them, it's about committing to that, that process and that journey and about us making sure that we've got the right people to support them in that, in that process. 
Um, and, and, you know, again, like I said, it's not an exact science. There are many different things that would happen to a young person that yeah. may, I mean, they don't play BBL basketball, but we've got, uh, all I'll say is there's fantastic talent in the city. Um, and we have been, we've been a junior power before and we've got to get back to being there. You know, the, the, the people of this, the young people in this city have got, the, got the, the talent to play at the highest level. You look at, you know, Anthony Rowe, who I was, you know, grew up with and Ali Gould, um, you know, some fantastic role models there um, about this is where you can go with basketball. And this is and you, can, you have the opportunity to represent yourself at the highest level. Yeah, and that's that's exactly what we want, isn't it? Those kids coming through, and and this is why that sort of top level is important as well, because it Absolutely, does give the kids yeah. something to aspire to. So yeah. it's not about having you've got to have that that entire pyramid. Um, and I think when we sort of started working together three years ago, we had the the top couple of levels, didn't yeah. we? But we didn't have that that foundation yeah. level of yeah. just lots of kids playing for fun across the city. Um, you know, not too worried about the competition side of things. So. You know, I think now we've got that in place. It's just such a bright future. It's, it's really exciting what we're doing. Yeah, I'm certainly yeah. excited. Well, we're geeky basketball people, aren't we? And we love that <laughs> whole development side of things as well. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm not. I'm not so much of a coach. Who's anyone who's seen me coach? Well, I'm going to hold my own, but um, but I do like the kind of organisation side of things and putting these things in I place. Like yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're not in the mascot development game at the at the moment. But then, why would we when we've got Foxy? Yeah, well, he's yeah, all you Foxy, need. The one and only, please. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Blessing. Blessing. Um, so, uh, you mentioned about numbers of coaches and things, and that's obviously one of our um, one of our. I'm going to say problems, but um, but saying that we we did have a, a course lined up to go that you were going to uh, do the instruction on, um, which would have come and gone by now uh and we had what 25 people sign up within around about 24 hours so yeah. i think there's a huge amount of interest and again you know the whole idea behind the central venue wasn't just about bringing on the new generation of kids it's about bringing on the new generation of volunteers and table officials and referees and and helpers and parents and you know just supporters in general really yeah. um and i think I think we're going in the right direction based on the amount of people that signed up to want to be involved in coach as well, didn't we? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I didn't think we get, we were already after 48 hours, we were talking about putting on a second one later on in the year because the, the numbers were so, so big. Um, so it probably highlights that the opportunities to get yourself qualified as a coach, they haven't, they've been lacking here um, in the last couple of years but um also that there's a like you said there's a real passion to kind of get involved uh, whether it be volunteer coach you know i think that there was a referees course recently that had really good numbers on as well um yeah. so yeah we're you know I, I, i'm really excited about the coaches that we have in the junior program right now because um we've got about 12 or 13 coaches and you know when i was last here it was four or five committed people um, running num a number of teams um, and doing a lot of traveling and giving up a lot of time and um, whilst there is it is volunteer there is a lot of traveling and you do have to give up a lot of time now uh, we've got you know coaches we've got assistant coaches uh, we've got coaches right across the age groups and everybody's just really keen to learn mm. uh, we've as a group so we've been meeting every week on on zoom um, and having um, some chats with different coaches from around the world um, so we had uh, Reese Potter from Wyndham Basketball in Australia. 
Uh, we had Mike Lizzolino from Robert Morris in, in America. Um, we had Troy Cully, the GB under-16s coach. Uh, we had Chris Mays, who was Grand Canaria and New Hero. So we've been really, uh, you know, I've just been really kind of um, excited about the fact that, you know, at least 10 or 11 coaches every week are turning up and listening to coaches who are talking to us about what we could do. Um, yeah. So um, that's been great. And uh, so one, we provide an opportunities for informal coach education. And two, there's so many people who, who are interested in doing it. And um, yeah, it's, it's just been, it's been great really. Uh, and uh, I think it's because there's a, you know, some of these kids, coaches work in CBL and some of them work in national league. And we're having really good conversations about how we could develop the program. Uh, Danny McGee and myself are delivering on um, Thursday. We're going to deliver a kind of like a curriculum and a, and a, a process about how we go forward as a group of coaches and what we deliver and when. Um, so it's, it's, this is one of the you know positives about having this time off is we've been able to connect yeah, yeah. Um, and spend a lot more time getting to know each other um, as basketball coaches, as you know, and personally. And my Danny, Danny, and myself have had time to kind of put together something that we think is going to be really valuable for the coaches. And, uh, you know, it's that, it's that momentum that's been built from the CVLs is people have the opportunities to play and people have the opportunities to coach mm. um, and they want to be involved. And then now, thankfully, we're saying, well, OK, we'll help. You know, this is part you're volunteering. We'll develop you. you know, we'll develop your skills. Yeah, I think I'm, one, one of the things I was particularly excited about um, in regards to us sort of teaming up with, with MLA and Bow and, um, and Bashishir was sort of seeing how how Bashishir do things there and to see if there's opportunities to learn off each other, not just from a, from a professional standpoint, but also from a, how do they develop the kids in the community? How do they bring them all through as well? So um, we've talked a couple of times, guys, haven't we, about yeah. how we can get our, our development organizations to talk to each other. But I mean, for you, Ben, what, what is it do you think you could get out of that by sort of having that um, I think um, sort of, if you know, our, I was with the national team program in 2012. First time we were in Division A, we played Turkey, um, and we we got handed to us. Um, <laughs> and they their talent developed. I was speak. I remember speaking to one of the assistant coaches because we, we were in the same group as them. Um, and um, after a while, you kind of get to know people, and you start sharing video of games and stuff like that. So, and that was one of my key roles was kind of scouting opposition. So I scouted Turkey quite a bit. And they, I think their average height was six for eight. Um, and it was under 16. They, went, they ended up winning the, the European Championship the year I was there. Um, but speaking to the assistant coach, he was talking about how they developed talent within the Turkish Basketball Federation and, and within their clubs. Um, and I think the opportunity to access like a European power on a consistent basis and say, how do you do it, uh, is, is massively valuable. Um, and also, in this, you know, sometimes we, we have connections. We've had some connections with people in other countries to kind of say, how do you do it? You know, that's what we've done recently. But this is an ongoing connection where we can, we have someone who can start to understand our context and we can start to understand their context. And having more access to it means that we can understand it better and try and implement some of the things that we think are really would be beneficial for us. So, I mean, it's a massive opportunity um, and, um, you know, giving coaches the opportunity to do CPD whereby they go, they watch or they connect with other coaches um, that are working at an elite, you know, a, a very elite level of talent development. 
um, would be just, you know, it would be fantastic. Um, okay. And, uh, Sorry, and also... Sorry, it's also one of our dreams to have these basketball summer schools, lots of them, two week, two week, two week, where we keep the parents happy because they think their children are brushing up on their English. Hope they're not listening to me, but it's all it's going to be all about basketball and Raiders meeting yeah, professionals. Yeah. So and their English. <laughs> <laughs> well, it'll be about know, English as well. Don't worry. If we could have those summer schools in Turkey, I, I hear it's pretty hot over there. I mean, I hear I've been, but yeah, yeah. It's pretty hot in summer, yeah. Yeah, so uh, yes, yes, I would love to have a summer school in Turkey. You know, but no, 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 no. the other way round. Yeah, no, they're coming have, to us. Yeah, we have a school in every single city, so we have in the nicest parts of southern Turkey, and you know, so. You know, especially in Fethiye, we have a English camp where actually it's for our teachers, where they go for learning. We have lots oh, of okay. So I'll make sure you go to the nicest. I can go and teach English there. It's fine. Okay. <laughs> it just has a little bit of a southwest twang on it. So <laughs> we, we, we want clubs doing this. We we want to draw the two clubs together so that there's an exchange at all levels, up and down yeah, through the structure. Yeah. 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 No, that that would be great. You know, it's it's um. So you know, there's no one doing that on a on a consistent basis in this country who have that. You know, I know I know some clubs do have links with other clubs, say Spain, but just that opportunity to be, like, to have to be one. We're one club. You know, that opportunity is is um is is great and and can take you know can help us maybe jump forward in in our time. Who is in the scarf? Doing that, we see it joining up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Also, uh, the, the the I mean, we I mean, for us, we fell in love with uh, Raiders uh, not only for the basketball team, but because of the community, the fans, definitely Richard Ross, and you know the whole thing. And I think what differs us from everybody else in Bahçeşehir is. Uh, we are an education group. We don't do anything else. We, we this is the only thing we do for the last 50 years, and uh, we have more than 230,000 students, and that's from elementary to all the way to PhD. So, uh, but uh, for us, when we started our our basketball club is very young; it's only three years old. But 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 it meant for us, okay, we have a brilliant professional basketball team. But uh, playing a team sport, I think, is very important, regardless whatever you do in life, because we are a team. Nobody can do anything on their own. But also now we have all the young players playing the team. It's made us a family. So if you, even if you support any other big football club, because in Turkey, like if you are supporting Beşiktaş, Beşiktaş has a basketball and a volleyball. Yeah, yeah. But but everybody, you know, from two year old to whatever the age. When it's a basketball game, we all forget our own teams and we, we go back to share. And I think sports brings us all close together. And I don't find it as harsh as football. I find it more friendly, easier to bring kids uh, to the game. So can't wait to have the bunch of share team over here and uh, our friends. Yeah, can't fantastic. wait to take you guys back there. Wait, yeah. Yeah. We're, we're, we're really very keen on that integration of sport and education. Um, they, they're not two separate things. They truly are integrated. And, and if, if you look at um, what um, 
Bashashia have done you know, the sport flows down through all of the schools there's they, they have over 300 schools mm. with where you've got basketball being played uh, then all the way back up to a, a European um, team yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean you've been in my role I've you know I was a lecturer and I taught sport you know um, like GCCA level and so not just as the you know being in a college environment as well that the opportunity for people to come together on different courses to play in teams but also i coach i teach you know sport and teach coaching so you know it's not just not just the opportunity to play but the opportunity to be educated through sport as well you know those are things that i've I've, this is my professional life so yeah so who's your favorite coach of all time favorite coach what raiders coach no any coach who's your favorite coach my favourite coach of all time, so it's not a basketball coach, so this is um, football, is Arsene Wenger. Um, so... You had to ask, Paul. <laughs> you had to ask. What he means is Sir Alex Ferguson, but he's just yeah. confused. I do. I really like Sir Alex Ferguson as well. Um, so I think both of them, in their own rights, are different. Um, yeah. Uh, a, a, a great... Well, they, they were managers, but I think, you know, Arsene Wenger for me... Are you a gunner? Are you? I am a gooner, Paul. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's fam- family reasons. My granddad was at, uh, played for Arsenal. Ah. So, um, uh, so it runs in the family. Uh, but yeah, no, well. I just think, I think it's, oh well, yeah. yeah. The support the of the doesn't. team, the support of the team runs in the family. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I just think, um, I like, you know, his, his, his commitment to playing a certain way and a, and a right way and, and you know, the, he was always willing to stand up mm. and uh, you know take um, you know take all the blame when it wasn't necessarily all, all his fault. Yeah. Um, so you know, I think he um, he protected a lot of people at that club for for. Maybe. Yeah. But no, I, you know, so I think I just you know just growing up, it being in a football family and and you know just loving watching it, it I was obviously drawn to it and and I kind of just. I just thought, wow! Look at look at this guy, you know, who who, who coaches my team and and is, is a great role model. Um, I love Alex Ferguson. I think Alex Ferguson is a great manager as well. And um, I, I read his autobiography not long ago, and I really enjoyed that. Uh, basketball wise, I mean, I probably Gary Gary Stronach was a great role model of mine, and uh, you know, kind of got me thinking, oh, I could be a coach as well. Um, and he, I mean, he got, he kind of developed my love of basketball as well through the Raider camps, the, the school stuff that he used to do. It was huge. You know that he used to had a huge schools program, which you know maybe wasn't the Central Venue League, but there were so many kids playing in schools, yeah. in the schools leagues at that time as well. Um, so he kind of created that structure that I was fortunate enough to kind of get involved in. Um, and then Bas- I also quite like Nick Nurse, who's the Raptors coach as well. Um, Is that because you're a Raptors fan, though? It might be because I'm a Raptors fan, but he came from this country. Uh, as in, t- he uh, learned he's learned his trade in this country, so he shows that even people from the BBL can go to the NBA. So, he's a great yeah. coach, NBA champion. I mean, what can you say? It's true. I still remember him fondly from the uh, Brighton Bears days, and especially around the uh, uh, what's it Dennis Rodman game. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was, probably, that was so, a special. He's probably got some things to answer for <laughs> in his time in the BBL, but yeah. Yeah, bless him. So I'm going to get told off if I don't try and wrap this up quickly because uh, okay. uh, Paul Paul tells me I'm not allowed to do it. Not this Paul, Paul Nicholson tells me I'm not allowed to overrun, but I think we've overrun, but who cares? Sorry, Paul. 
Um, but yeah, so we, we've got four of the seven um, trustees now on this call. Yeah. What do you think are the next steps for the foundation? Where would you like to see it go? Uh, so I think the continued sort of commitment and growth of the Central Venue League, um, uh, I think, is, is one of our key priorities. Uh, the schools, getting basketball into schools again um, in a number of different kind of formats, um, you know, in terms of how kids are interacting with the game, whether it be through, you know, just because they want to turn up and play or because they want to, um, you know, they, because they're learning through basketball, you know, the Hoops for Health programme, I think, developing schools program in that kind of vein uh, are really important. And then I think um, is, you know, and probably this is where my role comes into a bit more is development of the volunteers and um, start to develop referees, table officials, coaches, um, and continue to provide them with a, a program that kind of honors the time that they give um, and, and that you will get something out of it. Because I think sometimes in sport, we, we say, come and do this and you'll learn skills. And it's just, some people just get left to it. And sometimes it's like, okay, we're going to be, we're here to help you. And this is how you could do it. Um, and these are some of the things that we think are really valuable. And then, you know, I think it's just, just the driving that, that kind of the foundation that you talked about, the kind of, we had everything above and we are so fortunate to have a BBL team that pulls kids in and, and gives them, you know, with so many other clubs, there's only, how many teams are in the league now? 11, is it? Yeah. There's only 11 league, 11 teams in the country. Um, and there's so many other places that play basketball and don't have that kind of big kind of profile that we have. So we're so lucky. I just want that foundation that so many people want to get involved and become as big as whatever the DGM, you know, football league. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and uh, that, that's, that's the biggest thing. That's where I think we should be going. And then trying to get some more community coaches in and, and working in schools and colleges and, uh, and, and then supporting that work that, that's been done at the top. Everybody supporting a successful BBL team because we've won the league. Yes. Or playing Euro Cup. That's the plan. <laughs> That's the ambition. You know? Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Well, Ben, listen, it's been great working with the last few years, and um, uh, yeah, I think we're only we're only still on that that incline. Um, so still lots more we can do. Um, definitely getting schools playing more, I think, against each other would be mm. uh, another thing I'd like to see. And, and yeah, I think as four of the seven directors um it's it's really exciting Look, looking forward to sort of time, carrying yeah. on that work so ben thank you very much for joining us today thanks for having me guys thank you, ben. yeah thanks ben great